to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we are at the NFL Scouting Combine, and we have a lot to get to. We heard from head coach Mike McDaniel on Wednesday. We heard from general manager Chris Greer on Wednesday. I had several interviews, and we're going to play one of them in this episode with more to come throughout the course of the week. This one with the great Emery Hunt from CBS Sports HQ and Football Game Plan. He's talking running backs, and our first real exploration into the depth of this draft on day three. I also spoke to a handful of receivers and tight ends who were at their media availabilities on Wednesday. Jamison Williams, John Mechie, David Bell, Wandell Robinson, Isaiah Likely. We spoke to several guys about their route running, their pass catching, their ability to block in the running game. All kinds of good stuff from Indianapolis. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. I want to talk to you guys about the acoustics here just really quickly because I've become a master of various room acoustics over the last six or seven years doing podcasts. I used to stay at a buddy's house when I was getting my bachelor's degree from Washington State who lived there where I could go to school and stay at his house and commute the long commute. And he would always have different fans and different things in the house kicking on that I had to find out how to turn those off and unplug them and became a master of that environment. Usually find myself doing the exact same thing on the road in hotel rooms. However, here in Indianapolis, phenomenal room, but I cannot find the plug to the refrigerator. I'm pretty sure it's behind this massive, massive vanity that is way too heavy for me to even attempt to move. So if you hear some fridge gurgling in the background, I apologize about that. I could not get that taken care of. And the traffic outside, nothing I can do there. It just adds to the overall ambiance. So my apologies for that. But the good news for those of you that are sick of me and my voice, you guys are catching a break today because my heavy lifting is largely already done. We're going to rely on the voices of the people I talked to on Wednesday, as well as highlights from the pressers of Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer. And speaking of that, we start here with some fun. We always do have fun on this podcast, right? Well, this is some different kind of fun here. Here's Mike McDaniel, who was in the audience during Niners GM John Lynch's media availability, and here he hears John talking about himself and Mike McDaniel giving him praise. Mike's a special person, aside from being a special football coach. Heck yeah, John. There you are, Mike. I didn't even know you were there. Oh, I wasn't leaving for that. I appreciate it. I'm out here now. See you, buddy. <laughs> you might have heard John Lynch saying he's a special person and a special coach, and that's when McDaniel gave a fist pump and said, heck yeah, John. And then John saw Mike out there and acknowledged him, and then Mike dropped the mic, so to speak, you know, figuratively, and then he walked away. So keeping up with that theme here, though, we also knew about the Rich Eisen thing coming in, right? The idea of getting the coaching cliche trio, the triple Lindy as uh, Rich Eisen put it, of coaching cliches out there. And Mike told him on that interview with Rich Eisen that he was going to hit them all, not just in one press conference, not just in one answer, but in one sentence. So here is the audio from that. First of all, every, every conversation I have is meaningful, okay? I'm present. He was, 
But we've had a great, great, um, we've had several great conversations on phone and in person. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm excited to, to coach the guy. But let's not forget, like, it is what it is. You know, I, 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 I honestly, me personally, I don't have a crystal ball, you know. But really the only guys I can talk about are the players that are here today. And so there you go. That's the trifecta that Rich Eisen was looking for. And Eisen was standing right next to me with his camera crew talking about this and getting ready for it. And he, I, I, I talked to Rich through it like, hey, there's some different protocols in place here. They have ropes now around the podiums, unlike back in 2020 where you're not going to be able to access the side of the table. But he found his way up there for the high five that he was looking for. And here is the sound from that high five. Oh, hey, didn't see it. Boom! Attaboy. Triple play. So there you go, Coach McDaniel. Let's go ahead and get back to that interview here in just one second. But first, I want to pivot now over to Chris Greer, who met with the South Florida media to talk about the offseason, free agency, the draft, the quarterback position, the hiring process this offseason, and how the staff has viewed the quarterback position here in Miami. I want to go ahead and start here with this clip from Chris Greer talking about the possibility of exploring a trade for as the reporter or the question that was asked to him said, elite level quarterbacks and in reference into Deshaun Watson. Here's Chris Greer answering that question about the pursuit of other quarterbacks and namely Deshaun Watson. Good. I think we're at the door shut on Deshaun. I said, um, you know, at the end of the day, Mike and the staff have come through, they've done a lot of work and they've studied a lot of Tua and they feel uh, good about his developmental uh, upside of what he can be and then the fit in the offense. So no, we're, I think we're, we're, we're good with Tua. So the door is closed on the one idea and we are good with Tua. He was then asked a follow-up question about the strengths in the game of Tua Tungavailoa and you might have to check your pulse if you don't get excited about this one. Yeah, I, I will say like Mike and the offensive staff watched every game, every throw and stuff he did, and, and put together this tape as they watched it, and it was pretty cool. And um, um, Mike's vision for how Tua fits into the scheme and what he can do, uh, they're all very excited about it. But So um, I think at the end of the day, um, obviously Tua's going to have to come in and work with him and do it on field. Um, but right now, there's a, a very good comfort level in how they feel he fits into what Mike wants to do uh, with our offense. And, and again, and a lot of that too, the run game, you know, the run game part of it. So the part that has me fired up about that is really threefold. And it goes back to Coach's introduction press conference when he acknowledged the idea of attention spans in 2022, and this is for all ages, but I find myself doing this. I find myself getting on my phone in the middle of my favorite shows that I watch. That used to be sacrilege. You have to acknowledge the fact that people's attention spans, regardless of age, are getting shorter. And when he addressed that at his introduction press conference and talked about streamlining the tape review process, the teaching process to capitalize on every single second you have, and then we heard him talk about in the interview with myself, with Chris and coach about the cut up tape that Chris referred to that Mike brought them about running backs and what makes a good running back in the wide zone system in, in this particular run game scheme that is so flexible and veritable off of that wide zone. 
And then we hear him now talk, Chris Greer again, about the tape that Coach McDaniel and his offensive staff, after watching every game Tua played and bringing it back to the personnel staff and saying, like, here's what we think we have, here's what we think we can do, that's what has me jacked up. The proof is is there already about that thing that made me so excited about the introduction press conference, the ability to use film to teach and to recognize on film what guys do well and then put them in positions, hopefully, that's the idea, right, in the future going forward to be in those situations more times than they're not so they can have that same success. And I've always contended on Tua's tape. You go back over his rookie season, his second year. There is so much to take from that, you know, mistakes aside, and there's those for every quarterback, especially a young quarterback, that there's so much there that you can build an entire game plan, 17 entire game plans around, and coach bringing that with him and, and having the idea and the vision and the entire offensive staff feeling that way that's got to get you pretty fired up. Uh, Chris was also asked here about the potential of thinking about next year's crop of free agents due up for contracts and if they would begin to explore extending some of those guys, i.e. and Andrew Van Ginkle ahead of time. Yeah, yeah, we will have, we'll talk to a few different players. We've talked about that, um, trying to identify it because you've got to make sure now that a lot of these guys fit to what Mike and he wants on his coaching staff and what they're looking for, obviously. You know, uh, a guy like Andrew does things the right way, a good guy. And, you know, at some point we'll probably reach out and have some discussions with him as well. So you heard Van Ginkle's name come up there specifically about a guy that they were very happy with the way he's developed through the first three years of his NFL career. Another position group that has gotten plenty of investments and resources poured into it's the offensive line. And Chris Greer was asked about the Dolphins' production on the offensive line and kind of the idea going forward about those guys, i.e. and Austin Jackson, Liam Eikenberg, Solomon Kinley, Michael Dieter, Rob Hunt, five guys who have been drafted in the top three rounds in the last three drafts. Here's Chris Greer. I know we've invested in it, you know, as you know, with um, draft picks and, you know, these guys need to play better. Um, they understand that. Um, but I will say that, you know, you know, Mike, Frank Smith coming over, you know, as the offensive coordinator was the line coach of the, with the Chargers and, and Coach Applebaum. They've all talked about they're really excited about the developmental um, ability of these young players. They said they all like these players coming out in the draft um, at their previous teams. And obviously Matt was in college, but um, he had uh, seen a couple of those players through college, um, the college lens. They're very excited about the potential, the developmental upside of them. So listening to Mike, too, talk about him, he was like, uh, there's talent there. And he's like, and uh, we just got to find a way to unlock it and get these guys to play better. And then the good thing is all those guys are they're good guys. They're competitive. They're tough. They want to be good. And, and so I think they're looking forward to playing in this offense. Now, see, I was looking forward to hearing that because I had a pretty good inclination that the talent and athletic ability of those guys that the Dolphins have invested those resources into would poke up the ears of a Mike McDaniel, of a Frank Smith, of a Matt Applebaum, of a John Embry, these guys that have so much experience in run game and run game coordination and offensive line play and obviously the blocking that comes along with good running games and just knowing what those guys have in terms of the, the ball of clay they are to mold, I always thought, I assumed that was going to be the answer. So it was good to hear that from Chris Greer. On the other side of the coin here on the defensive line, Chris was asked about the potential of giving or rather exercising the fifth-year option on Christian Wilkins. Uh, I mean, he had a <laughs> heck of a year last year. and uh, So um, I, I would say most likely, but you know, we'll make that decision when we get to that. 
Up next, Chris was asked about the Dolphins having the most available cap space heading into free agency and what their approach is philosophically with that. Yeah, um, I think it, it provides opportunities for us to do um, a lot of different things, whether it's you know free agency, trades, and stuff to do. So I think for us, um, it's also we're not living like year to year. You know, we're trying to also have um, some perspective. So for us, um, the opportunity to add good players, and we've always been that way. You know, something we've always pursued and tried to do it. Um, so um, we'll be aggressive still. If the right player for and Mike and I feel he's the right player for us and to help us get better and keep us going forward. We'll go after him. Um, so, um, but again, that doesn't mean we're going to spend every cent right up to it because I think that leads you to not being able to do moves in season or, you know, like we had a couple times in the past where good players became available, you know, before the trade deadline and we weren't able to, we didn't have this big, like, who are we going to cut and do stuff for um, I think. Um, just doing that allows you flexibility to be able to do things in the future for unforeseen uh, opportunities as well. And we kind of heard Chris talk about that philosophy on drive time earlier this week about not extending yourself into a position where you no longer have flexibility. And that's been the name of the game since I started working here, right? Was was the idea of flexibility. And before that as well, but that's been what I've come to know in my two years here with the Miami Dolphins is the idea of that flexibility. And, you know, the Dolphins have 1.6 million, I believe is the reported number in dead cap space for next season. That's a product of not overextending yourself in the free agent market and getting yourself in a situation where you do have that pile up and all of a sudden you're behind the eight ball. So I like the idea of not looking at it year to year, but rather a, you know, a situation where it's completely always fluid all the time. If I explain that right. Or if not, let's get into this next part here from uh, Chris Greer, who was asked about the coaching search and how they found Mike McDaniel and the impressions of him right away. I didn't really know Mike. Um, you know, he was a guy that um, his name was kind of under the radar, popping up from people. And uh, and so just kind of going through it, we're putting together names for it. And uh, but he was one that was always in there because everyone kept saying he was kind of like the brains behind everything going on. And I don't want to. You know, discredit Kyle because I think Kyle Shanahan is a very good football coach. Obviously, going you know what he's done, um, but um, as you guys have gotten to talking to people that know him, um, and and the one thing that was always interesting, everyone was talking about saying how he was like the most swagged out guy and kind of like how he looks. They're like you don't think that he can connect with people like that, and then uh, um, but he's just got this way and personality of how dealing with people and and. Uh, and so as we got to know him and being around him, it was really interesting to get there. But he was, he told us from day one of the interview, like this was his dream opportunity. And he was, you know, um, had been waiting for someone, I guess, to acknowledge him for being, you know, all the hard work he's done. Cause he had been with, you know, obviously Sean and everyone and um, all those guys have moved on and, um, you know, LaFleur and all them that have been, become successful head coaches, you know, and Kyle as well. And, and so um, it, was, it was a really interesting process. He, he made no bones about it. he wanted the job, that this was, he thought it was a great fit for him and, and everything. And so as we got to know him more and we became more excited as we spent more time with him. Some interesting insight there from the GM of the Miami Dolphins. I want to go back now to some more personnel conversations as Chris was asked about coaches' comments uh, which we'll hear here in just one second at the 
combine press conference about the running back position. Somebody asked him about the importance of that running back position, and he spelled it out for you. And so Chris Greer was asked about that. Here's Chris on the running back position and Mike McDaniel's comments on the running back position. I didn't know he said that. I said I've been in the competition committee meetings and stuff all day, so um, I have to talk to him about uh, leaking all the secrets out. But uh, <laughs> no, at the end of the day, um, Mike and the coaching staff have done a great job coming in, you know, starting late like they did coming in and getting everyone hired. Uh, going through the process with them, they've watched our roster. Um, they've done free agency, college stuff. So these guys are working 24 hours to catch up, and they've done a great job. And obviously, you know, Mike's known for the run game, and that's kind of uh, just talking to people, going to Gary Kubiak and my father work together. So I talked to you know Coach Kubiak about them, and, and uh, just kind of as going through it. Um, obviously, Mike has had a, a, a lot of success in, in evaluating, finding running backs too. And, and, you know, John Lynch has talked about that, talked about it when we were interviewing him. Um, Kyle Shanahan, all the guys that have worked with him. So, yeah, the running back position is very important to him. And, and, and to have success in this league, I kind of believe you have to be able to run the ball too as well. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the positions we'll be studying hard. And it's why uh, we love this time of year with free agency in the draft. All right, there we go. Chris Greer and his combine media availability let's go ahead now and take our first break and we'll come back and play the media availability of head coach mike mcdaniel back here on the drive time podcast thursday march the 3rd from the scouting combine in indianapolis we heard from chris greer let's go ahead now and hear from head coach mike mcdaniel also available on the youtube channel in its entirety let's kick it off with this comment about how different it is being here at the combine as an oc or assistant coach compared to being a head coach it is completely different. It's more expansive. Um, but just being ready for uh, really bearing witness to a lot of peers that um, have held this job in, the, in their first year being rookie head coaches, um, I kind of had an idea um, to expect the unexpected and to have an ever-evolving checklist that you're never going to finish. Um, and because I was prepared for that, really, um, then it's just applying what you've done at each stage in your career um, to a more expansive role. You know, you have a job to do. In this job, I service a lot more, a lot more people. Uh, it's a lot more expansive, but you have to be detailed. You have to be driven, um, and you have to serve a lot more people um, for them to do their job. And they're depending on you. But um, really approaching it the same way, the weeks have been diligent and. Um, I, I probably get a little more tired at the end of the week. Um, but other than that, it's, it's been work that's been fun and very, uh, very liberating and exciting. I just love the way he described that with regards to the little tasks along the way that he learned as an assistant coach, an offensive coordinator, and now taking those and extrapolating them to a more expansive, comprehensive process. Just the way coach explains things is always so fascinating to me, continues to, to teach us stuff every time he talks. He also taught us something here with regards to a question about players and their skill sets and tailoring the offense and the, and the defense and the schemes to those players, but also the roles of said players in particular positions. Here's coach talking about identifying what a player does best and letting them do that. I think there's multiple ways to use players that have skill sets that can help you do things offensively. And um, we've had uh, 
tight ends in our in our history that um, have have been featured pass receivers, and we've had featured blockers. Both on both ends of the spectrum, they are expected and will do do both things, um, majoring or minoring in one one or the other depending on their skill set. Think you have to love that. Also, think you have to love this. As Coach talked about, identifying the traits for a number two quarterback in the Dolphins' search for that. Of course, Jacoby Brissett, set to be a free agent when the new league year starts. The Dolphins right now, Tua Tungavailoa and Chris Strevler, the two quarterbacks on the roster. You, you, want the, you want a player that can help. You know, When you're looking for a number two quarterback, uh, there's two things. You want him to benefit the starting quarterback while the starting quarterback is the starting quarterback and empower him with how they how they approach their daily um, game plan responsibilities and how they develop um, when you're when you're training in the off season, but you also want a guy that's that can win games should this starter go down. So um, a veteran uh, backup is um, definitely in our discussions, um, but it's a it's the best player that we can find in in whatever avenue, um, and and move forward from there. Earlier, we showed you the sound, or played the sound, I should say, from Chris Greer talking about the running back position and referred to a quote from Mike McDaniel. Here's McDaniel, who was asked about the importance of the running back position, and I just, let's just play this, because I love this answer all the way through. The value of the running back position, you know, what's the, what value do you put, do you put on um, anywhere from a, a, a third to a half of the plays on a given offensive season? You know, you got to realize running backs um, collectively, whether you do it part to whole or one guy, you have about 300 to 400 some touches by that position. So it's incredibly valuable, um, but there there is a more diverse way of finding them. Uh, there's traditionally, from a historical perspective, there's, um, you know, rookies, second-year players, uh, mid to late round draft that they, they have more success at that position than than some others um, but it's never been um, you know any anywhere we've been and for the Miami Dolphins move, moving forward it's of paramount importance um, we just have a, a concrete uh, uh, skill set that we found that that can really flourish in in a zone blocking system really Again, those tapes that he cuts up for consumption, for study purposes, for teaching purposes, continue to show up there talking about the concrete ideas they have at the running back position. So good stuff there from Coach. He also was asked about, again, coming off of you know a program, a coach in Kyle Shanahan that has seen so much success in the running game and kind of the rigid idea of being a coach off of that tree, giving you rigid ideas of your own. Here's coach talking about the same foundation, but from there, what he wants the Miami Dolphins to be as his idea, his vision under head coach, Mike McDaniel. No, um, I think much of, uh, what we've all done in our career, um, on our different branches, we've all had the same starting point. And I think from a foundational standpoint, our language will be the same. So you're the, in terms of how you communicate, how you, uh, you identify there's a little nuance change here and there from like a formation, but from the starting point, our foundations are very similar. Um, I, I think one of the strengths of the Dolphins with the offensive coaching staff we have here um, and with my contribution, I think we will adapt in ways that's impossible for me to even forecast right now. Um, just like in years previous, um, 
I haven't predicted ever what we're going to look in October um, in, in training camp. So it's important to establish a foundation to know where our starting points will be um, and where our convictions and emphasis will be. And then you let the players dictate the terms from there. Um, and I think that's the best way to serve players and, and for players to serve uh, coaches and schemes. Here's a follow-up question about what he learned under Mike Shanahan. Um, it's a huge one for me. I think he, he, he really influenced um, how I look at leadership from a head coaching position. I just got uh, done telling the story a second ago, but my first year in the NFL was 2005, and I was an offensive intern. Um, and the entire season, I remember like it was yesterday, like I was convinced we were winning the Super Bowl. And he, his bravado and his, his conviction and his, how, he, how he set people's ambition, it was non We were winning the Super Bowl. We were that good. Um, and we went to the AFC Championship game and lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. But about five or six years down the road, as I had a better scope of the National Football League in general, I looked player by player at that roster, and I was like, wow, we were a much better team than we were individuals. And that idea of raising people's ambition and, and lead, leading by um, just, a, just a vision um, of, of uh, I, I don't know, um, perspective, but also uh, just a, a clean way of handling yourself on a day-to-day basis and empowering people um, with confidence, that, that will be forever lasting for me as a coach. And really, um, you know, as, as I walk the hallways in Miami Gardens um, these past couple weeks, it, it, it has resonated with me those days. I just love hearing those stories about Coach going from the fan that he was as a high schooler and into college to the transition to coaching intern and eventually the coaching positions he took along the way. Just that fire and passion and, and the general love for the game as a youth that I know all about myself, and I'm sure so many of you do as well out there, uh, as big fans of this game and of the sport and of this team. We talk a lot about the offense here, right? How about Coach McDaniel's decision to keep the defensive staff largely together, mainly under defensive coordinator Josh Boyer? Um, the, that's been a very cool process, too, because it was about four to five weeks ago that I didn't know any of them. Um, so you're, you know, w- one of the things I majored in when, when I was first um, uh, talking through this interview process and thinking about this job is I watched a lot of uh, the defense because I knew, um, I, I knew I had an idea of the direction that I wanted to go with coaches on the offense, but I, I, you know, as a head coach, you're responsible for everything. So I watched a ton of the defensive tape and um, what it reminded me quickly of what I hated in 2020 when I played the Miami, when Miami Dolphins beat the team I was coaching on um, easily. And it was that the scheme was outstanding. There are some really core um, uh, young players that are, had been developing and that were passionate. And bottom line is, is I, I was like, yeah, I would rather play with them than against them. I don't want to play that. So... Um, in that process, I've got to know Josh, and um, we have a very transparent and good re- working relationship. We, we like the idea of challenging each other, and um, I'm excited about it because, again, I don't have, it's one less issue that, um, from an offensive coach perspective that I have to go against. 
and um, I'm excited about the growth that that uh, that defensive staff can do um, this this season moving forward, and the players that uh, the defensive staff can coach. We'll finish up here with a question back on the offensive side, and I'm I'm glad that Coach said this because I've seen it out there a lot and. The idea of trying to replicate a single player within a different system with a different player that's not that player is not anywhere near as easy as I think it's kind of being put out there to be. And so Coach was asked about Debo Samuel and the importance of finding his next Debo Samuel. And I love the joke off the top, but I love even more the part that he discusses about finding roles for players and the skill sets they have and how Debo Samuel was not Debo Samuel before he took on the roles that highlighted the skill sets that made him Debo Samuel. Uh, yeah, I, I, I desire to have a lot of first-team All-Pros. That, that is paramount to me looking good as a coach. Is awesome players. W- without a doubt. You're always look, you, but you don't look at it like, I need the next Debo. Debo wasn't found by looking for Debo. You look for good football players that are committed, passionate, and maybe, you know, that, that challenges you as a coach to see, hey, what other way can we utilize this skill set? All right, there's Coach McDaniel. We have the head coach and GM and their media availabilities on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. But wait, there's more. My interview with Emery Hunt, as well as some players' audio from my questions for those guys on the media floor on Wednesday, opening day of player media availability at the Scouting Combine. Drive Time Podcast, Travis Wingfield, coming right back. All right, let's go ahead and pick it up right here on this Wednesday, Thursday rather, edition of the Drive Time Podcast and hear from my buddy, CBS Sports HQ host, the, the creator and founder of the football game plan. He's come from pretty much a self-made man in this industry. Emery Hunt, respect him so much and his opinion. Let's go ahead and hear from Emery on multiple things. What's up, Dolphins? Travis Wingfield here, the host of the Drive Time Podcast on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, and I am joined today by the very well-dressed from CBS Sports HQ, Emery Hunt. Emery, thanks for coming on today with us, man. I'm doing fine, man. I appreciate you having me on. You really showed me up today. I got I got to talk about that because you came in here looking dapper as anybody in the entire room, and here I am in my in my t-shirt. So. Hey, man, listen, I want to be in my t-shirt like <laughs> you. I just rolled out of bed like this, so it's just like... Sometimes you just wake up, you just throw something on, and it kind of works. I, I, I believe him. I believe him. I'm, I'm liking this aqua, though. I might try to find me an aqua sports jacket um, and make it work. People around the building have, have told me that I'm easy to find because of this. That was, wasn't intentional, but it's working out for me. So I guess we have that going for us here with, with the kind of dress-down look. But we're here to talk some NFL combine, NFL draft. You've been doing this for a long, long time. First of all, man, we made it. Like we, You and I were doing this on message boards Back right. in like 2008, now here we are. How, how does that feel for you? It is, it's so surreal and it's bizarre because you see each step, you know, you, you're making, you know, strides and strides. The next thing you know, you go from YouTube to you broadcasting games to where now you're on network television. It's like, it's ridiculous to think how far you've come. And it's also inspiring to, to others to say, hey, man, you too can do you don't want to be that, you know, oh, you too can do it, but it's <laughs> yeah. so true, though. Like, um, proof positive. You know, you're proof positive. And the fact that, you know, the message boards, especially, you know, the Dolphins message, message board, not even getting banned from posting my videos <laughs> yes, on there, yes. but allowing that to, to grow and getting feedback from people and 
and working on my craft, and here we are. It's, it's so great to see. I gotta say, you were one of the guys that actually was allowed to do that. They used to get rid of all the guys that would come in there and spam the place, but yours was so good. They were like, we're gonna keep this because Emery's killing it, and now here you are. So you talk about calling some games, and we always have you on draft time every year to talk about potential, or I guess our, our actual undrafted class, the guys that we sign. You're so good about giving us detail on those guys. But I wanted to talk to you first before we get into the depth of this draft about the running back position, because we just heard Coach McDaniel at his press conference here talk about the importance of that running back position, talking about how important is it to you to have, you know, a third or maybe half of your offensive snaps go through that position? So when you look at this year's running back class in the Miami Dolphins, how do you kind of see this class matching up for the Dolphins needs that position? And just in general, how does this class stack up? First of all, I love what he said, because you can't go wrong by putting the ball in the belly of a back. Like, I'm not biased or anything, but that's where the <laughs> ball needs to go. That's right. And this is a great draft uh, from top to bottom. If you want a, a top tier guy, you can get one in the first round if you want one. Second round, third round is probably the sweet spot, but you can find guys that can definitely enhance this offense. A lot of the guys that are in this draft, had they been in last year's draft, and Dolphins draft, any one of these 10 guys that, that I think are, are top tier, they would have been just fine on offense. So running back is definitely a need. It wouldn't surprise me to see them double up on that position in the draft. Do you think it's one of those positions where, because I think I've heard this with receivers, where it's more about your particular flavor as a team or you know what you, what you desire at the position? Because the Miami Dolphins, obviously, with Coach McDaniel and that McVay and Shanahan tree and, and the way that that's ran through, you know, multiple coaches that have NFL experience, you know, the outside zone is a big part of that, right? But he's also he's also ran some gap schemes, so there's some, some variety there. Is there is it the running back position kind of stack in order of best to worst, or is it the flavor you prefer at the position? He's talking flavor. You're talking my language. I'm from New Orleans, so everything <laughs> has a little bit of flavor, right? You got gumbo, you have jambalaya, you have... Etouffee, all this stuff, right? It all tastes good, but it all some days you may want one of each, right? That's what the running back position is. You know, sometimes you may want a guy that's a bigger guy that may have a little bit more wiggle than the next guy. You may want a shorter guy that can, you know, hide behind a lineman, didn't dart through. You may want a, you know, a faster guy that can just hit the corner and get outside and, and, and go. So every draft has a, a good variety. We call that land gap in, in New Orleans. That means something extra. Everyone has that. And so if you're the Dolphins, you can probably get all three. In this, in this class if you want it. It all depends on what type of personnel he wants, and it's all about maximizing your 46-man roster on game day. So it's about you know, variety, uh, need. I feel like the Dolphins could really, like, I, I'm big on the Dolphins taking a running back, okay. you know, one of these guys. So <laughs> they can double up again on this position because there's so many different types of backs and so many types of guys that can really enhance what the Dolphins want to do on offense. I might need your full New Orleans menu of running back <laughs> comparisons, like your gumbo, your you know your jambalaya. Who, who's the beignet of the of running backs in this class? Well, listen. If here's the thing about beignets, you can't just have one. You got to have multiple, <laughs> okay. right? I love that. So if you have, <laughs> let's say you have multiple backs, right? You want to get a lot of guys that can do more than one thing, but also can do sort of the same thing, so they can be interchangeable. So let's say you take a look at a Jason Corbin, uh, Florida State versatile guy, can catch the ball out of the backfield, does a good job with his vision, his footwork is his own blocker. Then you look at someone, let's say, like a James Cook. Speed guy, has great footwork, can wiggle a little bit, but also has a home run hit capability. Then you close off with that third beignet. You know, that's the one that really used like, should I get another one? And that's the one that sinks you. That's James, that's James Cook's teammate in Zamira White. That's the hammer. That's what you want. And that's the knockout blow. That's the hurricane drink at the end <laughs> of the night, the hand grenade. All these New Orleans references, <laughs> yeah, I'm getting you hungry and all. ready to go, right? So <laughs> that's what you want. And so, like I said, you can go all three backs. All three backs will be available. Those are some of the types of guys you can find. If you want just one meal, like you want your 
red beans and rice on Mondays, which is a New Orleans staple. Someone like Isaiah Spiller or Brees Hall are ideally what you want because they can run, block, catch the football in the backfield, do a lot of things that you want to do in the run game, but they provide that, that you know, full meal balance that you want at the position. That's the kind of analysis Emory Hunt gives you on a football game plan all the time. I mean, that's, that's top shelf right there. I want to keep going with you here because we talk about having you on for the undrafted podcast eventually we'll do sometime in May when we have our undrafted free agents. But looking at this year's draft class, you cover, we talked about this, NFLPA Bowl, the HBCU Combine, Shrine Bowl, Senior Bowl. Am I missing one in there? Mm, the FCS Bowl was in December. FCS Bowl. So there you go. So you're well-versed across top of the draft all the way down to the undrafted class. Who are some guys this week at Indianapolis you think are really going to stand out that are possibly in that day three range that could boost their stock up, regardless of position? Deshaun Dixon out of Nichols. Um, a little bit biased here because I watched him you know, just go for 200 over my raging Cajuns. <laughs> like, I want to say second play of the game, he had a 70-yard touchdown. So he's a receiver. He's tremendous. Uh, he's someone that put the ball in the paint, so he gives you that catch-and-run threat. And he's another one that, you know, you could probably find he's going to run real good out here and, and test really well. That's another game-breaker. You also look down the line, uh, let's say offensive line. You know, I like Jay Jackson Williams out of Florida A&M, who can play guard or tackle. You thought someone that can provide that versatility. When you look at the offensive line, you want to maximize your 46-man game day roster, guys that can play across the board. Uh, and, and quarterback, I know quarterback is not a real need for the Dolphins, but you think about someone like a Quill Glass out of Alabama A&M, two-time Black College National Championship, uh, National Player of the Year, uh, was the MVP of the HBCU Legacy Bowl, and he played an NFLPA game. If it wasn't for Cole Kelly having similar numbers, uh, he would have gotten MVP instead of Kelly. So he's been doing a great job at all these all-star events, and that's someone I'm excited to see how he does. He's not here. He should be here. But that's someone to keep an eye on. I got it is here, E.J. Perry out of Brown. Um, point and shoot type passer, good athlete. Reminds me a lot of Taylor Heineken, how he's moving the offense down the field and had a fantastic year for the Brown Bears. Like I said, if you want to hear more about prospects you haven't heard about before, this is your guy right here. He knows about the entire draft class top to bottom. Emery, how much are you putting up on that bench press over there if we, if we take you over there right now? Today or when I was playing? Both. When I was playing, 25 easily. Today, 10. We'll take it. Three in his jacket because it's kind of snug. <laughs> Three. Like, and I just ate, so maybe two. And rolled but out of bed too, right? So rolled out of <laughs> right. So if we're talking like in my prime, yeah, 25 easy. Yeah, well, hey, that's 25 more than I can do. <laughs> Emery Hunt from CBS Sports HQ and Football Game Plan. Appreciate your time today, man. Anytime, man. Great. Thank you. Great, great stuff there from Emory Hunt. If you can't tell, he played running back in college. He's a little bit biased towards the position, but he offers great insight as a result. So let's go ahead and finish up this edition of the podcast with my media availability. If you guys are not following me on Twitter, shame on you already. But number two part of that is I'm going to have media availabilities or questions with players all throughout the week, uh, talking to these guys and getting to know them a little bit better. And we start here with the receivers and tight ends. Didn't talk to any of the quarterbacks, really focused on the receivers and tight ends today. But Jamison Williams was up and talked about how he's off crutches now and has been for a couple of weeks. He talked about doing his off-season program to really help the game slow down more for him, which I think is crazy to think about because he also said when asked about a 40-yard dash time, we know he's not going to run because he just got off crutches. He said that there's nobody in that building that could beat him in a foot race. And while most of the receivers will tell you that because confidence is the key in this sport and that position in particular, I'm inclined to believe Jamison because I saw it on tape this year on every Saturday. Let's go ahead and go now to Kentucky receiver Wandell Robinson, who played some time at Nebraska as a quasi-running back receiver, did some of that with the Wildcats. 
The end result of his college career was a whole bunch of yards from scrimmage and a whole bunch of touchdowns and a bunch of yards after the catch. Here he is talking about his experience in multiple offenses. Um, I mean, teams have different terminology and things like that, but most of the things are very, very similar. Um, some words might just be changed up a little bit and things like that, but Kentucky really prepared me for this kind of situation. Next, he talked about his yak ability and how playing at Kentucky prepared him for the National Football League. Um, I mean, I think it just shows that I have that ability to do it and I can do it at a very high level. Um, I mean, there were games that I've had to take 10 plus carries even at Nebraska. So um, if a team needs me to do that, I feel like I can do it. So 10 plus carries is a pretty big deal there. Let's go ahead now and hear from Isaiah Likely, the, the Coastal Carolina tight end who is athletic, he's versatile. And I talked to him about acclimating to the pro, the pro game and how tight ends can kind of have a, a tough time getting going because of the difficulty of that position. Also, how his athletic ability transitions to the modern game and his mindset when it comes to blocking. Uh, just being one of the most versatile uh, players in this draft, just, you know, Coastal Carolina prepped me, putting me everywhere, whether it was in the slot, whether it was out wide or even in line, just showed that my versatility is at the next level is just something that you can't prepare for. So just bringing that to NFL, already having to jump start most of the tight end, that's just something that I pride myself in. How do you think your athletic ability translates to the modern-day NFL position of tight end? I feel like the tight end hybrid is definitely a popular role that's come about in the NFL with Travis Kelsey, even the Kyle Pitts, and Darren Wallace. I mean, that's just something that coaches started to take friends off because of, you know, defense is hard to prepare. You can't have just any linebacker or any DB in the game when you have an athletic tight end. So that's definitely something. What's your mindset when they ask you to go, to go block the forced defender? I'm fine with it. I mean, I, I love football. I've been playing this since I've been four years old, so any assignment you give me, I'm ready. Let's go back to Bama and John Mechie. Haven't seen his tape yet. Go check it out. He's electrifying and fun to watch. I asked him, hey, John, you've had so many of your teammates that you've seen before you go right into the NFL and have success. What makes you the next one that can do the same thing? Um, I just think um, our, fundament our fundamentals of who we are, the discipline, um, the attention to detail in our craft, how we approach our craft. I think we've learned that Alabama I'm just bringing that same winning energy and winning spirit to the NFL. Let's go ahead and finish up here with David Bell, who was asked about meeting with both the Giants and Dolphins, and he specifically mentioned Wes Welker, so I had to ask him, what did you and Wes talk about, and did you watch him as a kid growing up? I mean, Dolphins snatched me away from the Giants. I had the opportunity to meet with Wes Welker, and we talked for a few minutes. What did you learn from Wes, anything in particular? Uh, no, nah, he was just asking me questions, you know, just family history, uh, why I chose Purdue and stuff like that. Did you watch him at all when you were younger? Ah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely watched him. You know, he was definitely a, a very shifty slot. You know, I'm not that yet, but hopefully one day I'll get to that. If you can go back and watch one player's media availability from this entire Wednesday, I would suggest David Bell. He was phenomenal talking about his craft and, and the way he applies practice into game situations and it shows up on tape so plenty of stuff there hope you guys got enough of that podcast that was a lot of information going into that i enjoyed putting it together we're going to do it again tomorrow and the next day and the next day and cover this combine front to back top to bottom all that fun stuff in the meantime you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on apple podcast leave us a rating leave us a review you can follow me on twitter at wingful nfl you can follow the team at miami dolphins across all social channels and check out the fish tank podcast big vernon carry with seth and oj this week also our twitter spaces show on wednesdays you don't want to miss that and of course the youtube channel for media availabilities as well as dolphins today and last but not least miamidolphins.com until next time fins up caroline daddy will be home in a few days